This journalism.co.uk podcast is supported by Dataminer, a real-time alert service that helps journalists uncover breaking news and stories before they go viral. Want to know more? Head to dataminer.com to find out how your newsroom can get ahead of the curve. I'm Jacob Granger, and this week is Mental Health Awareness Week. With that in mind, in today's podcast, we'll be looking at burnout in editors and senior reporters by speaking with Zuzana Jameka, editor of Gazetta the Borcher and founder of Newsmavens. It's an issue close to her heart as she's been personally affected by burnout and she now teaches mindfulness workshops to others. In this interview, we will take a look at the conditions that drive editors to burnout, what that manifests itself into on a day-to-day basis, and what steps can be taken to alleviate pressure. Don't go anywhere. Burnout is a combination of exhaustion with an existential crisis to um, more psychological, the difference between your expectations and their realistic rewards. And if that difference is big enough, then it most likely will result in burnout. From a more neurological perspective, burnout is the compounded effects of chronic stress on the nervous system. So that was Zuzana, who gives us a quick rundown of what we mean by burnout. And we'll go into more depth today into the different ways that it presents itself and its relationship with mental health. A key bit of ground to cover first, however, is what Zuzana calls the six components of burnout. The expert that I rely on and trust um, on these issues is Christina Maslock. She is um, the creator of the Maslock Burnout Inventory that's been used to describe, diagnose, and, um, and deal with burnout since the 90s. And one of the most compelling discoveries that Maslock made is that there are actually six components of burnout, that it's not just having a lot of work. It's not just the exhaustion. The workload is, of course, one of the six, but the remaining components are a lacking sense of control, over your situation, your goals, and your environment. An unexpectedly low sense of reward, which does not necessarily have to do with salary, but it can pertain to being appreciated for effort, being seen as a valuable contributor to team projects, and so forth. Um, Another component is isolation from community. If you feel that you are an outsider within your company culture, that you don't have a reliable support network, that you are uh, one of a very few representatives of your race, gender, or religious affiliation, this can be a contributing factor that can get you started down the road to burnout. And the last two are seeing your treatment as unfair. So whether you are being treated fairly, or whether you perceive your treatment as unfair is also a very uh, impactful component. And then values, which is being in alignment with what your organization is trying to accomplish and why, and what you personally want to accomplish in life. So when you take all six of those components, which are once again workload, control, reward, community, fairness, and values, you can see that any one of them, if they are 
out of sync can create the kind of stress that will be waiting for you every day when you get to work. So if you feel you're being treated unfairly, even if this is only your perception, then you will see examples of this everywhere you turn at work, which will impact your levels of stress, which will contribute to you eventually being burned out. And it's important to remember that burnout affects all levels of the chain, but today I want to focus on what a burnt-out editor looks like and how it affects their ability to do their job. When you get burned out, you start exhibiting absenteeism, so you either become ill more often. One of the things that chronic stress does to a body is it lowers your resistance to illness. Either you are sick more often or you perceive yourself as sick, like you really can't get out of bed in the morning. You become isolated from your co-workers, but you also tend to overreact. And this is, I think, a very telling sign um, in an organization. If you find that someone is having a hysterical reaction to a relatively unimportant uh, event, or if they're reacting with extreme apathy to something that is an important event, then this is a sign that something is really happening on the mental health level. It can also pertain to having a hysterical reaction to something that is happening to someone else. Like reacting to something you perceive as unfair treatment to a co-worker in a hysterical way can be a very clear um, indication that something is happening with you. Um, extreme or irrational thinking, nothing I do matters, none of this will make a difference, uh, but also repeatedly making mistakes. This is really a red flag to look out for because employees who are burned out will make sometimes very simple mistakes over and over again, and they seem not even aware of making this error. And then there's this um, sense of lack of personal responsibility, pointing fingers like, if you had done your job, I would have been able to do mine. This kind of pushing of responsibility away and feeling that I have no control or impact on this situation. Now, here is where it gets really interesting. Listen here as Susanna dissects how burnout affects the brain. It turns out that the brains of people who are burned out react very similarly to the brains of people who have experienced a trauma. And what that does is it enlarges your amygdala, which is the part of your brain, the reptilian part of your brain, which is responsible for activating the stress response. It's your inner hysteric that puts your body into full alert mode in response to perceived threats from the outside. So this part of your brain, it actually gets bigger. And as with anything within our biology, the bigger it is, the more space it takes up, the more of an impact it has on the entire system. So this is a big deal. And then the other thing that happens, which is totally scary for editors, is that there's a thinning of the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of our brain that's responsible for cognitive functioning. Like this is where our ability to communicate, to use words effectively, to talk well, to write well, to problem solve, to remember things like names, dates, deadlines, who was supposed to do what, um, what story we were going to follow up on, all of this is in the prefrontal cortex, and this part gets thinner um, as a result of chronic stress. So this is a very big deal. Burnout actually reduces the connectivity between different parts of the brain, which can lead to decreased creativity, decreased working memory, and decreased problem-solving skills. So for anybody who's in a high-pressure environment with a really dynamic set of goals and changing news cycle, 
this is basically the end of your ability to perform. Something that Susanna has experienced in her workshops and may well resonate with some of you at home is this mentality in newsrooms where editors are expected to deal with the pressure. That's the job. That's what comes with the territory and the salary. Just soldier through it. Anything less and that's unacceptable weakness. However, that's something Susanna says needs to change. There is this feeling like, oh gosh, yes, this burnout is a major problem, but journalists at my organization, they just need to be tough. This, I think, has a really powerful legacy in our industry. This feeling that the rookie reporter and the tough editor are their men, they can handle the pressure, and that's why they're good at their jobs. In a way, it positions um, journalists and editors similarly to soldiers in the army. But if you look at that comparison, which of course it's too general and it doesn't hold water in the long run, but if you look at this kind of expectation that they will be able to handle reporting on very traumatic events or intervening in you know, war zones, the expectation is that yes, you do that and if you can't, you're not cut out for the job. But there's one thing that soldiers in the military give their personnel to help them excel in these highly pressured situations that the news industry no longer provides for their employees. And that is a very solid, predictable workflow, stable organization, and career path. The reason I say workflow is because soldiers know the drill. They know what time, they, they have a very rigorous schedule that creates this sense of the world is a predictable and safe place and I know what my place in it is. Whereas what's happened to the news industry as it's moved away from paper and tried to embrace digital is that our workflow has basically the bottom has fallen out and every organization is, you know, every man for himself trying to figure out how best to approach being online 24-7, how best to get the best quality news out there. And the onus of that responsibility, figuring out how to get that done well, has fallen on editors. So they're no longer only responsible for the quality of the copy. They have to figure out the workflow, and they have to maintain a sense of motivation and security, like psychological safety for their team, which is working for an industry that isn't sure what the future holds. So when you combine all that instability with the rigors that come with the job, you get conditions very ripe for burnout. But there's another side to this which fuels that mentality, and Susanna says it's got something to do with perfectionism. Well, there's the personality traits that contribute to burnout, and a lot of them overlap with what we think that a good editor should represent, right? There's this sense of perfectionism, of getting the facts right, of getting the wording perfect. There's this need to be in control and reluctance to delegate to others. I can do it, which is, you know, your high achiever type A personality. But here's where things get interesting. It turns out that younger employees get burned out more easily than older people and that childless people burn out more frequently than employees with kids. The younger employees, they come in, um, a lot of times, this is one of their first jobs, they have very high expectations of the impact their work will have on the world, of how they will be able to express their values in their workplace. They're coming in, you know, ready to take over the world and to change it for the better. 
And then they hit reality, which is often completely different than what their expectations are. And this goes back to one of our first definitions of where burnout comes from, where I'm coming and expecting X and I'm actually experiencing Y. So this high expectation contributes to the younger employees burning out. But then the childless people, they have a different kind of um, problem because they tend to put their all their eggs in the work basket where they expect their emotional fulfillment, their connectivity, their social life, their community expectations to be realized in the same place where they realize their um, professional ambitions. So when that one place ceases to conform to your expectations, then basically there's nothing to fall back on. But if editors uphold this perfectionist illusion, surely all that will do is transfer those false pretenses onto the next generation of reporters. Does this illusion need to be shattered? Does the cycle need to be broken? I think editors are the key players in this entire setup. From an organizational perspective, editors are effectively middle management, right? And if they are not solid leaders for their teams, then it's very hard to turn that organization around from a business perspective because you have unreliable middle management. And for people who are working for these editors, if they are practicing old school, I have all the answers, I'm tough as nails, I can do all of this by myself, if that's the leadership style that our editor is exhibiting, then this is probably not going to address the needs of the people underneath him or her. Because when you go back to those six components, the workload, the control, the reward, the community, the fairness, and the values, these are all aspects that management can impact. In fact, Maslach has this theory that burnout is a management problem, not an employee problem, which means that the job of the editor is even more difficult because it's not just workflow, it's not just content quality, it's also maintaining the well-being of your team, which has not classically been written into you know, what your good editor has on his or her task lists. So I think supporting editors in developing a leadership style that fits the challenges of today's news um, industry is a game changer. Like if I was a Silicon Valley innovator, you know how they... They look at complex problems and then they find that one little knob that you turn and it impacts the whole system. I think editors are that one little knob that if you were to turn it and support them, and I don't mean teach them how to be leaders according to a model that somebody has developed elsewhere. I think editors are brilliant. And in many places all over Europe, they're finding really fascinating and innovative solutions to the problems that their newsrooms are facing. And I think if we were to pool that knowledge and really focus on building a new definition of good leadership for newsrooms, I think it would impact the entire industry in a really meaningful way. So what kind of support do they need? And who exactly is it incumbent upon to look out for burnout in editors? Susanna says it is for the most part the duty of those above them, i.e., the publishers, to minimalise the factors that drive a burnout. But peers and those beneath them can have a role to play too in simply raising the flag. But there are other options out there for self-remedy and external support 
in terms of their next steps. Um, one thing they can do, which is very standard and common in every other industry where people who have high responsibility and high pressure get support from coaches. Like this is absolutely standard in, um, in business, in technology, in finance, that these people get support. They have somebody to talk to, they have somebody to um, vent to, and somebody who will help them maximize the potential they have for the good of their team. And that's something that our industry hasn't really relied on a lot um, historically, but I think, um, I think that could be very helpful. And the other thing, and this is something that's uh, starting to happen more and more, is just sharing experience and what's working. So sharing best practice. And I'm, I'm starting to see more of this happen at conferences where internationally you have big groups of industry leaders who are sharing information. I actually suffered something close to a breakdown um, because of stress uh, when I was leading a weekly and I went to an eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction program, which put me back together. And I was so um, afraid that after having finished the program that I would stop doing the practices and go back to being highly reactive and basically at the mercy of stress that I, um, I did a teacher's training course and now I teach mindfulness. Um, particularly um, to leaders and the stress reduction program. And I think there's these are simple techniques. They're not easy, but they bring benefit to so many industries, including education. And I believe that mindfulness could be very beneficial in newsrooms as well. Some fascinating insights from Susanna, and I'd like to thank her for her time speaking to me, and of course for you at home or on the commute for tuning in. Before I leave you, our next Newswire conference takes place on the 27th of November at Reuters in London. Head over to newswire.com to grab yourself a ticket, or for an extra day of training the day before, why not check out our Newswire Plus deal? Here's Jasmine from our courses board, who has some training opportunities she'd like to share with you. Want to start making your own videos for social media? Join our one-day Creating Social Video Workshop to find out how to shoot and edit films specifically for Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. It takes place on the 24th of June in central London. You can find out more at journalism.co.uk slash s43. That's all we have time for this week. But don't forget, if you'd like to feature on one of our podcasts, feel free to reach out to us at Journalism News on Twitter. Until next time. Thank you.